0: Thank you for tuning in to the Diary of an Addict. Um, today, I have a guest on. A guest on today that I've never, I'm not familiar with her story, so I'm excited as you are to hear her story. Um, I'll let her introduce herself. Uh, what's your name? Can you tell us your name, please?
1: Felicia Deliano.
0: Felicia, thank you for agreeing to come on here. Um, a little back story: Felicia is like a sister, family member of. Uh, my wife Rachel so it's that's how we got connected um it's a hard thing to share your story but it's always I found that it always helps not only the the listener but a lot of the times more often than not it helps the person telling the story so thank you Felicia yes
1: because I was listening to some of the stories that you've already done and like they were so encouraging so yeah um, I'm so glad
0: to be on here. Well, I'm glad to have you. Um, well, let's just get into it. Uh, can you tell us your name, uh, your ethnicity, where uh, where you're from? Did you grow up with one or both parents or a relative? Um, did you see drugs or alcohol as a kid?
1: Okay. Well, I'm from LaBelle. I grew up there most of my life. Um, I come from a broken family. So my dad, he's Spanish. He's from Mexico. He came here. um, My mom's from here, from the United States. Um, They got divorced when I was, like, really young. Um, My dad, we watched him, you know. He he dealt with a lot of, um, he dealt with alcohol. And when he would drink, it was just, Not good, you know, we'd wake up and see, like, these fights between him and my mom, you know? Like, really looking back, that's all I can remember. Like, I can't even remember, like, good times. All I remember is those moments, you know, from childhood. So, as I got older... I have three, I have three siblings, well, I have four siblings, but three of us are kind of the same age, so we grew up together. We all got separated, you know? We all went different ways, so we all grew up like, I grew up with my brother, and my mom, and my sister grew up with my aunt, and my older brother, he grew up with um, my older brother, with my other older brother, and... So we didn't really like have Like a family you know Like we never had a mom Like a stable house So we are just everywhere We kind of like raised like Well me personally I feel like I just learned from just like My surroundings Or like friends Like I really didn't have like A parent to be like A parent to like Actually like Guide me you know so, yeah. I was easily victim to, like, you know, drugs and alcohol and those things, you know?
0: So... Yeah, it sounds like uh, a lot of the times I've I've heard people tell their story that when there wasn't a parent or a uh, an older person around that they kind of just had to adapt to the environment around them, and a lot of times that environment wasn't good, you know, so... Kind of sounds like that's what you were having to deal with. Tough. How old were you when all this was going on?
1: You know, to be honest, I feel like I feel like when it really started started to form. Looking back, it was like probably around fourteen, fifteen years old. I remember like doing cocaine for the first time at that age, you know, and um, smoking and drinking at that age, you know, and there was like, there was no, there was no boundary. So, of course, looking back now, it was going to like spiral into like something more. And it did. It did. And it took time, you know, and once I got older, like maybe around 16 or 17 years old, I ended up um, getting with my husband, who had our first kid on my 18th birthday. Um, and even then, like in that relationship and that marriage, me and him, like we we were doing drugs together, you know? And I've seen a cycle looking back, like, okay, now I'm bringing these things into, like, my marriage, you know, and eventually, like, that was something that caused a divorce, you know, like because instead of dealing with issues and problems like a normal person who like, had someone to teach them or show them how, like, I dealt with issues and problems with um, doing drugs because I didn't know how to, like, it was better to like be numb about things than to like face things head on, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I get that completely. Uh, that was one of the biggest allures for me as well was being able to just kind of check out and not have to deal with anything really besides making sure I stay breathing. You know, <laughs> yeah. Funny, but, you know, I, I get what you're saying totally. Yeah. So. Uh,
1: Now I feel like I'm starting life all over again, like learning to deal with problems. Like everything that I've ever pushed to the side that I have ignored, like now I have had to like face them, you know? And it's just been one step at a time, you know? Trying to get through it.
0: Yeah, it's a... It seems like... I know for myself, it seemed like as time passed, I felt like I had pushed this stuff to the side for so long and so much time had passed that I was like, it ain't that bad. But then, you know, when I got sober and I, I quit running from my emotions, um, man, it was worse. way right? was like 10 times worse, you know, just because I hadn't allowed myself to feel emotion for so long. Um mm-hmm. I didn't like to feel anything that wasn't like a warm emotion, you know, so if it wasn't warm and fuzzy, I immediately checked out of it by getting high or drunk or both.
1: Yes. And you know, Jesus, like, I found Jesus along this journey, you know, like, he has become, like, my best friend, like, I didn't know, like, you could have, like, like a relationship with him, like nobody ever taught me that, you know, like, like he, man, he's brought me through this, this walk, like, he's been like, the reason that I'm still going.
0: Who introduced you to Jesus? Do you remember where you were?
1: Um, I do. Um, well, I've always kind of known about him because my grandma used to always, like, she used to always make us play and, like, you know, I used to always see her, like, read the Bible and stuff, but I've never, like, really, I don't think I've ever really, like, thought about who he was, like, thinking back, like, I never really, like, thought about, like, who he really was. So, like, this was, like, about four years ago, I was, um... I was in my apartment, and, like, I had, like, this encounter with him. Like, I had an encounter with him, and I really didn't understand, like, I, I, like, I can't explain the encounter. I just knew, like, someone was in that apartment with me, you know? I was just going through it really bad, and, like, so I'm, like, I was, like, God's here, God's here, and I just didn't know, like, I didn't really know how to, like, to understand what was going on. So I had a friend who used to be a Bible school teacher. And so I, I write her on Facebook and I'm like, I was like, Ms. Shelma, I was like, you're going to think I'm crazy. But I was like, God was in my house. And she's like, she didn't write me back. She ended up showing up at my doorstep. And she comes in and she starts talking to me. And she's like, please, said one's ever seen God. But what you had was an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Then she started telling me about the Holy Spirit and about Jesus. And I was like, okay, well, I want you to know who this Jesus is. So I called up one of my friends who goes to church. And I was like, hey, do you think that you could take me to church? And she came pick picked me up. And so when I was standing in there, I just remember looking around and like everybody was worshiping him, like everybody was crying. And I'm just like, I was like, I want to deal with this, you know, I want, I want this. And this lady comes up behind me and she puts her arm around me and she says, God's going to wash all these darkness away from you. And he has. And so I made it a mission to read that Bible and I've read it and it has like changed my life reading that.
0: That's awesome to hear. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Do you have a... So the um, the Bible and church has been what's helped you in your recovery journey?
1: Yes. Yes. I think that's the only thing that's really helped me.
0: Have you um, done any, like, 12-step meetings, or are you just just go to church and just have your relationship with Jesus?
1: Well, so I go to, uh, um, I go to this church in a bar called, um, the Pit Bull Ministry, and, um, so on Thursdays, it's when they, they have the, um, they have, they have, um, the St. Matthew's house there. And so we kind of all just like, we're all just in there we're just like, we're all going through the same thing. It's not like a 12 step recovery. It's more like just a group of people trying to help each other get through, you know, the struggles of whatever they're dealing with
0: just like a support group.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, That's pretty good. That's awesome, actually. The only reason I was asking is because I like to, I know that everybody's recovery journey is different, and I like to ask you things that have helped you along your recovery journey so that maybe someone listening can, maybe that'll help them too, because we all don't do the same thing. I mean, we kind of do, but we don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So just showing us there's different avenues and paths to sustain your recovery journeys. I, I don't know that gives hope for a lot of people because um, I know for myself, I've I've tried to I've tried the sobriety thing before and I've failed. I've tried and relapsed. I've tried and relapsed and. A couple of the times I mean I think I was I I think I wasn't like fully committed to changing my life at the moment, but I know that one of the programs that I was trying to go through, and I'm not gonna name it, but they kinda was (laughs) they kinda gave gave the vibe that you either had to do recovery the way that they saw it or They didn't think that you was going to be able to do it, you know? And I don't think that's helpful for anybody to say it's either this way or you can't do it because there's a lot of different ways for you to sustain your recovery, you know?
1: Yeah. I think a big thing is, like, you have to get away from what you're surrounded by. Like, I literally had to call my mom when that happened, when I encountered that situation. She ended up having to come and pick me up. From um, that apartment, and I just moved in with her, and I had to get away from La You know, I had to break away from that.
0: Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. I also had to, you know, where uh, when you moved away from La in with your mom. How far did you move away from La
1: So it's just like an hour away, you know.
0: Yeah, I still. But I didn't I mean- Go
1: ahead. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a license. I didn't have none of that. So I kind of just. It was hard. I'm not going to lie. It was really hard. It was really. The first year was very hard. Very, very hard. But now, four years later, like, I have peace like I've never had peace before, you know? I met people along the way that, like, all different kinds of people. You know, I've never had a chance to do that and, like, have conversations that like, didn't deal with, like, drugs and, like, you know, I felt like that was my conversation every day, you know?
0: Yeah. Drugs or ways to get them or who has yeah. them for lower, who has the best drugs, who has the cheapest drugs, you know? I know, I know exactly what you mean.
1: Yeah, that's uh I felt like I was a little awkward, like being around people that were normal for a while. <laughs>
0: uh, a lot of times, I f- I feel like that too. Like uh, I'm getting better by day by day. That's not so bad anymore. But when I first was in recovery, I felt like when people looked at me, that they could see everything that I had done. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I know what you mean.
0: So I, I was like, man, they're looking at me. They know that I've done this, I've done that. But in reality, like, so people are so mm-hmm. consumed by their own day to day lives and what's going on that most of the time they don't even see you besides, like, enough to not run into you.
1: You know what I mean? Yes. So now I work, um, so now I work, like, with kids, you know, like, I work for, um, Uh, housing for, for young boys, 12 to 17. So I'm watching them and I'm helping them, like, through whatever they're going through, you know? And, I feel like, this generation, you know, like, it's, it's, it's consumed more with what we've been through, like, what I've been through. Like, it's, like, times more on this generation, it's more like, like, these vapes and stuff, you know, like, they're more, like, they can smoke them anywhere, you know, they take them, it's a lot harder for them, but people like me, you, and people who went through that, like, they need us, you know, they need us to, like, they're more... They'd be more open to like talk to somebody who's who's been there and done that, and you know who not feel like they're not going to be judged by that person, you know.
0: Yeah. Kind of let them uh, learn from our mistakes, you know. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: I feel like that. I understand what you're saying. I I I try to do that myself. You know. I, I talk a lot. I I ask. Not really. I don't think they're difficult questions sometimes, but I ask questions that a lot of people don't ask, you know, just to show you that I, I mean, I really do care. So I feel like when you, when you're open and vulnerable with kids, it allows them, I mean, not just kids, but anybody, when you're open and vulnerable and telling your story and showing what you've been through, it allows them to feel comfortable enough to do the same. Yes. Yeah. So, When you can have those conversations, you know, you really get down to the nitty-gritty and not just... Because a lot of times, you know, there's still stigmas surrounding mental health and addiction. And, yeah, that's just one way to break it a little bit at a time, you know, is just to have these conversations like this.
1: Yeah. well, I've not... (laughs) I haven't really seen what your journey was like, but I know that you've been through some things too. Um, and I'm glad like I think this podcast that y'all are doing is like this is this is really cool. Like you are gonna have so many people doing this.
0: Thank you. That was the um You know, one of the biggest takeaways from rehab and groups and all these institutions and places that I've been, whether it be whatever, what I really learned from the most, I mean, I learned a lot from counselors, from teachers. Like, don't get me wrong, they taught me a lot of valuable, like, scientific information as relates to how the brain works and how the addicted brain works. But my biggest takeaway, what I liked the most was hearing people's stories. You know, um, anytime Mm -hmm. you're in a circle, you know, they get you in that circle setting where everybody's sitting in a chair facing each other like, man, those are some of the most powerful moments I've ever had. Uh, And now having these stories shared across this platform, you know, it's some of the most powerful stuff is hearing, you know, Hey, this person has been through something very similar to me. You know, this person was, went through something like this, this person, I'm not alone. You know, this person, there's a lot of people out there who not only done the same things I've done, but they're feeling the same way that I do. They felt the same way I did. And now they turned their life around anyway. So that was the goal, you know? Yeah. Do you, uh, let me ask you a couple questions, if you don't mind. Um, if you could go back and give yourself in the in the at you at the worst moment of your life in, in in your rock bottom moments, if you could go back and tell that version of Felicia something, what would you tell her?
1: I would tell. Her. I would tell her that it's okay to ask for help. And never ask for help, you know, I never I never I never reached out for help. Like I never I didn't know, like, how, like, I was too scared, you know? I I wish I could go back and, like, even, like, during my marriage and, like, I wish I could have been, I wish I could go back and, like. You
0: okay, Felicia?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm Okay.
0: I know sometimes,
1: man,
0: uh, when I think back on some of this stuff, it's kind of, sometimes I feel like I'm there. You know, I can smell smells that I smelled that day. Like, I don't know. It's like just being right in the moment. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's just that the hurt I see on my kids, I couldn't see them, but, like, I think about... How much that, like, five years where I was really doing, like, the worst, like, it affected them, you know, and I just, I think that's, like, the hardest part for me, you know, and if I could have saved them from that and just reached out for help, you know. So they didn't have to like go through that because that's a part of life that they're going to have to carry. That's the part of life that they're never going to forget, you know, even though they forgive you, but it's just, you know, you don't want, I don't want to be that parent.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I've seen the thing the other day, uh, I was I, I read a lot of stuff about recovery and like daily meditations and stuff and a lady was talking about how she said the worst thing she's ever felt in her life was that she was her daughter's first heartbreak due to her addiction, you know. Oh my God, Man, when she said that, like man, that thing that hits home, you know, because I myself, um, I've been away from my kids because of my addiction. and I mean, rightfully so. I mean, there was times when I was away from everybody being locked up or rehab or both. or um, So just dealing with those repercussions and going through the necessary steps, you know, that's something I think about, too. Uh, I was getting ready to ask you, too. How is your relationship with your kids now?
1: Oh, my God. So great. Like, you know, like kids, one thing about kids, they carry unconditional love for their parents, you know? I mean, I've had to apologize for everything exciting to them, you know? And they're my strength every day when I look at them, you know, to keep going, keep fighting yeah. You know, I'm never gonna turn back, you know, I always wanna be there. You know, that little bit of part of their life. But all the future we have together, you know, to make it right and make it better and you know be there for each other and just
0: Yeah. Uh I do wanna add to you did I know you were giving yourself grief about uh not reaching out for help but when you were telling your story you said that you did finally call your mom to come get you from that place you know so I mean although you probably don't think you did as soon as you should have you still did you know a lot of people they they let their pride get in the way of ever making that call for help you know and then they stay in this cycle of you know those cycles of you know, uh, either being high or withdrawn or trying to get the next high, you know, in that cycle of where nothing else matters outside of that when you're in it, you know, Not, not your kids, not your health, not eating, not drinking water, not bathing, not even having somewhere to sleep sometimes, you know, so.
1: You know what's crazy is because why I encountered Jesus in that place is because he took, Oh my witch all the way. Like in one second. And that's the encounter I had. Like they were just gone. And I couldn't explain it. And like I was sitting I remember sitting in that apartment, my best friend lived right next door to me. And after that encounter, like they all thought I was crazy. All of them thought I was crazy. And so like they would be partying next door. And I would try to go over there and, like, hang out with them. And my stomach would hurt because, like, I had this encounter with God. I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't be here. Like, I just felt like his presence on me. So, like, I felt like I had no choice but to call my mom, you know? It was like, and even my mom, like, when I told her, like, they all thought I was crazy, too. But now, all these years later, like, they're like, okay, okay something really did happen, like, she's completely changed, you know, and that inspired my sister, and, like, you know, now we, like, go to church together, she's trying to learn about God, yeah, so, I mean, it took, like, something like that for, like, God to, like, get my attention, and, like, be like, Felicia, you need to change, like,
0: Yeah, it sounds like. Uh, well, I don't know that it is, but I had something similar happen with a court case. You know, I was supposed to be doing a bunch of time, and then on the day of the court case, I found out that uh, the drugs they found on me didn't match the drugs they sent to the lab. So, I had like three or four trafficking charges, and they had a dis- they-, they didn't ha- they dismissed all of them. Oh wow. So, uh, So instead of doing like eight to 10 years, I only ended up having to do one year. So. Oh, wow. And and I don't think it's because like, I mean, God thinks we're all special, but I don't think it's because of anything like special about me. What I think it was, was uh, the constant prayers of my grandma, my grandpa, rest his soul, he Man, people tell me that everywhere he'd go, like, he'd be singing and stuff, and people would ask him, is there anything we can do for you, John? His name is John Adam. Is there anything we can do? You want something to eat? You want something to drink? Uh, And he would just say, I just need you to pray for my grandsons, you know. So I think that happened as a result of many people praying for me, you know. So to this day, I feel like I shouldn't you know, squander my, I don't even want to call it a second chance because I feel like it's a fifth, six. you know. If I was really counting, yes. it's probably higher than that, so.
1: <laughs> yes, prayer is so powerful. It's so powerful. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, what about, I was going to ask you too about uh, working your job. It sounds mm-hmm. like uh, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know I I work with a nonprofit organization called Rise Above, and we go into Native communities and we use basketball camps as a modality to get the kids there, so that we can teach them about other things: prevention, intervention, uh, suicide awareness, uh, reaching out, and stuff. But that kind of works. Like, man, it it almost gives me the same feeling that getting getting high off the drugs did, you know? Um, Yeah. I was going to ask you about if how if, if that kind of work that you do like fills your cup, so to speak.
1: Yeah, it does. It, it really does. Um, just to be like, you couldn't ask for something like. I don't really even know how I got to this job, but to be there and just like these, like the, where I work is um, it's called Crossroads Hope Academy. It's a nonprofit too. It's a um, they house kids, you know, that came from, like, has been taken out of homes, you know, whatever their background story is, you know. And we just, we house them and, like, they're going through stuff. And a lot of them, you know, like, they need that, that support and that, you know, just ask if you're okay or, you know, the things that you would want somebody to say to you, like, and I love it. I love it. I love to be a part of their life. I love to like joke with them and help them and, you know.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, seeing them smiles is, man, it's, it's almost like smiling yourself, you know? Uh, I don't know exactly what you mean. It's, it's, Sometimes I'm amazed, I'm not going to lie to you, that I never thought that what I've been through, my story, I could use it to help someone else, you know. So sometimes when I'm telling my story in an effort to, you know, like let other people learn from my mistakes, show these kids that, you know, not tell them what to do, but just show them, hey, if you go down this path, this is what happens, you know, um. But you can't yeah. come from that. So it's, I love that.
1: Oh, yes. There's so many kids that are broken, you know, like, not just even at where, where I work, but, like, just people, like, in my neighborhood, you know, like, just, I feel like when, before I changed my life, I would always carry, like, this attitude of, like, I always had, like, an attitude, you know, like, this attitude problem. And, like, I just remember, like, people trying to, like... I just remember, like, people that I would talk would want to, like, talk to me and I would just be, like, so ill and mean to them. And I promised myself that going forward that I'm never going to be that person. When, when a person encounters me I'm always going to share kindness and love and support because those people that I did those that to, they probably needed that, you know?
0: Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you never know what somebody's going through. You know, you, the, your kind word might change somebody's day. Or, yeah. kind, sure, just the kind attitude of just having the courtesy to ask somebody how they're doing, you know? Um. We have some listeners, Felicia, that, that still struggle, that are still struggling with uh whether it be a food addiction, drug addiction, uh drinking alcohol. Um, do you have any advice for those people? Or would it be kind of the same as you told yourself, the younger Felicia, I mean? Yes. I feel
1: like you need to reach out. And I wish I would have reached out. long time ago, I wish I would have opened up to somebody, you know? I just bottled everything in and felt like I could deal with all my stuff, and I really couldn't. I couldn't. And because of that, like, I needed more drugs. I needed to be higher longer because I wanted to numb all the stuff that I couldn't carry myself, you know? And there was no outlet to, like, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's okay to ask for help it doesn't make you look weak a lot of people think that it makes you look weak or you know and it doesn't it doesn't
0: yeah the reality is I don't think that anybody that is in a has made a change in their life, like we've made, has done it without help, you know. Not saying that it's impossible to do it on your own. I don't want to I mean, somebody might be able to, but more often than not, you're going to need help in some capacity, you know. Um, I like in your story, I mean, I know you said it was hard, and you said the first year was hard, but I like when you said that you started with nothing, no driver's license, no nothing, because a lot of times people – I mean, starting over is hard regardless of if you have money, if you have a car, if you have anything, starting over and having that much change at once is scary. Uh, Change unfamiliarity is scary, you know, but especially whenever you're going to have to start over with nothing, which Mm. a lot lot of people, you know, they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to, they might even like, for myself, I kind of had to like start over in the negative kind of because... Not only did I not have men, but I owed like fines and court costs and <laughs> I owed people God. money. You know, so, uh, but it is possible. It's,
1: I it's, literally got my license last year because I had so many tickets, so many, like, I cried. I would be like, Mom, I'm never going to get through this. I'm never going to get through this. Mom, I'm never going to get my license. Like, cry. It was, it was. It was a lot.
0: How'd you feel when you got them? I
1: felt like one mountain was moved, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It was, a, you know, that's one little thing, but, like, it felt so big. It felt so good. Like.
0: I know them, uh, those little things like that, they may not seem like much to the outside world, but when you've been through what you've been through and you've had to go through all them court costs, you had to pay all them fines, you know, uh, just accomplishing that, like you say, it's a big deal. And not only that, but it gives you confidence to, you know, set another goal for yourself and achieve it also. Kind of yeah. like a snowball effect with your confidence, you know?
1: Yeah. So, and even because of all that I was doing, like, my kid, my husband, he got custody of my kids, you know, so I had to, I had to go and, you know, and against them to get, like, custody, like, you know, at least, like, a little bit of, of visitation time with them, you know, and I remember being so scared about it, you know, like, oh, my God. They're going to judge me. They're not going to, you know, like, those thoughts, they just, like, consume you. Like, you're never going to, you're never going to, like, get them. You're never, you never know, like, they they know everything you did in your past, and it's all a lie. It's all a lie. You know, I put emotion in, and they granted me every other weekend. And now it's coming to where, like, they're here with me, you know? So fear is going to always tell you that fear is always going to be there whispering in your ear, you know, telling you and reminding you and trying to bring you down and just got to push through that because it's all a lie, you know, people yeah. are willing to help those who are trying.
0: That's awesome. I, I like, I like that. Uh, I understand that sometimes, I mean, <laughs> to this day, like I'm, I don't know if I'm ever. I don't think anybody's ever going to get to the point where they got it, you know, where they don't have to work on their recovery. But man, sometimes like just doing different stuff, you know, like I, I hear that whisper myself, like, "What are you doing here? Like, you don't belong here with all these people." You know what I mean? So I, I know exactly what you mean when you say that, and you can't listen to that voice.
1: Yeah, because he's there. I always was there. I still struggle with that voice, even everywhere I go, I'm still, because I'm, I don't feel like I'm too, I feel like I'm still kind of, this walk is still kind of new, even though it's been a few years, like, it's still, like, it's, it's still kind of, like, fresh, because I feel like barely learning, and, like, being able to put myself in society as, like, you know, and try to be normal and do, like, normal things. And so I hear that all the time in my head.
0: When you do hear that, what do you uh, what do you do to to alleviate that? Or what do you do to? Is there anything you do to? Do you like do you say self affirmations or what do you do to get past that voice whenever you hear it?
1: Yeah, I just you know I just I just remind myself like Tisha. Look at where you come from though. Like like every time you say that to yourself, you keep going and you, you keep breaking through new things, you know, like like those are lies, you know, because at that moment when when those things flood like my mind, like I end up walking through whatever I'm walking through and when I come to the other side, like I'm like, okay, I did it. Like I did it. So I have to remind myself like it's gonna be all right.
0: Yeah. Uh I do something similar. You know, I I look at it, I think about the worst thing that could possibly go wrong. Like if all the if everything that the voice is telling me happens, what's the worst that can happen? And then I compare it to some of the worst things that I've been through, you know, and then it gives me the menacing shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, My friend always tells me that. He's like, Tisha, you remember when you used to ride around with all that dope? You was never scared. Now are you scared of this? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're right, you're right. Uh,
0: for real, that's it, though. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, Felicia, thank you for sharing your story. I I love hearing people's story, especially when it has the happy ending like this. You know, I'm a I'm a sucker like that for stories and movies. You know, I like the happy endings. Um, mm-hmm. I know that I know your story is going to help somebody. I mean, it helped me. Uh, I enjoy listening to people's recovery and learning stuff that helps them. You know, I really like the thing you said about the fear voice. Uh, so I just want to say thank you for being vulnerable enough to share share with us your story, you know, uh, dark parts and all.
1: Thank you for having me. <laughs>